0: from Chicago, Illinois, DB Comedy presents The Electables! Presidential sketch comedy and history for people who can't afford Hamilton. Today, DB Comedy presents a bonus talkback about our 26th president, Theodore Roosevelt. The talkback features DB Comedy's Americanists, Dr. Chelsea Denote and James McCrae. <music> Segment 1. Teddy Roosevelt, the self-made man.
1: Right, he really embraces this idea of the of the strenuous life, right? Mm-hmm. If you push if you push yourself to your physical limits, you'll not only become physically stronger, but you come you become mentally and emotionally stronger.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was a
0: sick. You no, know, TR was the sickly boy who had to nurture and practically put his own new heart in himself, and so had to death. punch
3: asthma to, in the face until That's it. That's
0: right. God. Damn. Okay, everybody.
3: I think his his early success justifies that to himself, right? Like he oh, yeah. he overcomes all the, these physical challenges, and then he rises in politics. He goes to war and he leads a charge that is one of the more important battles of the war. And even though his horse is shot out from under him and, you know, <laughs> you know. And the are war fine. itself is very iffy. Right. That sure. he, he ends up being totally unscathed and, you know, is just like, oh, war, I, I was there, it wasn't a big deal. So, you know, I think that, you know, kind of his life experience up to that point told him, I can meet any challenge. I can, you know, I can do it all, basically, that, that my life experiences that if I just push myself to the utmost, I will find success. You know, I think like that's an interesting comparison to like somebody like Lincoln who has a lot of kind of early failures and then is kind of like, Oh gosh, this might not go so good. I, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Whereas I think Roosevelt thinks, oh, we will be successful because because it's me.
1: Right. I survived death. I survived, you know, death as a sickly child. I survived My first wife dying. His mother dying
3: on the same day. Was was it not Valentine's Day? It was Valentine's Day. Yeah.
4: (laughs) A great day. Yeah.
1: Happy Valentine's Day, Teddy Roosevelt.
4: Well, but then he dealt with that in the most Teddy Roosevelt way. He just threw up his hands and said, Now I'm a cowboy and left.
1: Goodbye. (laughs) I am going out west because that's where you go to find yourself.
0: Segment two, Teddy Roosevelt, master of linguistics. But did he not? Because I am also a public speaking teacher, and it has always been believed that as an orator, there were very few that came up to Teddy's Teddy skills.
3: Yeah.
0: And he
1: was I mean, highly educated. Back and forth, right, that I mean, he had with Wilson was priceless. woodrow wilson
0: no woodrow wilson (laughs) um we
1: sides i'm going with tr on this oh i was gonna say yeah because Woodrow wilson has like
0: page literal page length sentences in his paragraph in his speeches he speaks like the like he was a a doctorate in uh well history no offense chelsea but
1: wait a second he was though I know he was was president of Princeton. Yes, he was our only. We are getting
0: (laughs) ahead of ourselves. Our only PhD, but but Teddy, no Teddy. There are some very early uh, films, no sound films, and he you can see him being very dynamic, very. And of course, one of the other fundamental pieces of his his uh, myth mythos was somebody that wanted to kill him, (laughs) succeeded in shooting. The bullet lodged in his jacket where the transcript of his speech laid, yeah. and he delivered the speech anyway.
1: And clobbered the dude with a club.
0: There you
2: go. <laughs> I
1: like to, That's not manly. I don't know what is. I like to, to
2: think to, that interest. that when he got to President's Heaven, because they have their own separate heaven. <laughs> uh, yes. Yep. That he walked up to both andrew jackson and william henry harrison with just that one anecdote (laughs) and be like oh andrew jackson like oh you yeah you killed a guy did you beat a guy up after he tried to assassinate you (laughs) actually probably he did (laughs) and then you know go to william henry Harrison and be like Ah, you can't even give a 90-minute speech in the rain without dying.
0: <laughs> the rain killed I, you, I gave
2: a 90-minute speech in the rain of lead.
0: And I and Milwaukee! <laughs> and I even created at least one term that we all use, and we use it proudly. Where the
1: fuckraker! Oh, okay. And, and
2: the it. bully pulpit.
0: That's
2: and where the, I thought you were going. And bully and, pulpit, yeah. And he speaks of the
4: off the... and carry a big stick.
1: I like that we all said something different.
0: He did a lot. He was
1: Shakespeare of America, really.
0: Quotable. He said a lot Very quotable. You gotta make a myth of yourself. You gotta be quotable. You gotta, He's he's not the most qualified president we have,
4: but he does have the most qualifications. They're not like towards the presidency. He's (laughs) done the most random things before being president.
2: Yes. As far as trust busting, I believe it was Taft with, had, was more effective at eliminating trust than Roosevelt does, and Roosevelt's getting gets all of the big progressive yep. trust-busting credit for
0: it. Well, again, it's the muckraking speech, which is actually, in part, inspired by having read The Jungle yep. and seeing what the meat trusts were doing and how horrific those were, and essentially, Rebranding Upton Sinclair as a journalist and not a novelist, and well, <laughs> that's a different discussion for a different podcast. <laughs> and,
2: and, and, and Sandy, I think like part of that also just goes to he was a much bigger user of the Sherman Antitrust Act than any of the previous presidents. So even if Taft like came later, he uh, Roosevelt brought forty-four suits uh, under the Sherman Act, and the three presidents before him only did eighteen combined and he tried, and he you know did regulations against standard oil and companies like that so one of the things
3: i want to like that we have to be cautious about is like so we say roosevelt brought the suit but like it's the united states department of justice that that brings the suit right technically and obviously the presidents choose attorney generals who kind of have the same priorities as them and they might even even though they're not supposed to talk to the attorney general and be like hey it'd be really great if you sued so and so Yep. Technically, they're not supposed to do that, right? And so, you know, while we can certainly give Roosevelt some of the credit for like starting credit the machinery agenda. here, and Taft for kind of continuing the machinery, a lot of the work that actually gets done to dismantle trusts is work that's being done by random government lawyers at the Department of Justice who are trying to, to you know, prosecute these cases. And so that, you know, one reason I think Taft was dismantled more trusts. Um, was simply because the machinery to do so had been going.
4: I'd like to read a quote from the boys of 98 from his Rough Rider days. This is something he said before that when he was out west that he got made fun of a lot for. And it's uh, that they were chasing buffalo and he yelled suddenly, hasten forward, quickly, there. (laughs) Which makes me wonder, (laughs) was he also like attacking English? Was he trying to lay like some type of conquest to the language?
1: Well, not, but, wasn't one of the things that he did. Maybe as secretary oh, I, of the navy or as president, he actually—I hope he, it's as president because this is way too like deep cut. But of course, he would. He actually reforms the standard language and how yes, it's used. Yeah, for,
4: uh, for minting, I believe. Yes, yeah, perfect. He, I, I read that, among the dumber things he applied the bully pulpit to were- Words. Insist- yeah, and here we go.
1: Um, he ordered the government printing office to adopt simplified spellings of 300 words.
4: Like, he did that? He asked to personally redesign a coin that he did not like the design of? <laughs> <laughs> he, pressured, <laughs> he pressured universities to change some football rules that he thought were like,
0: not fair. Yes. Well, actually he's yes. saying, no, Theodore Roosevelt for better or for worse, depending on your point of view, saved football because yes. at that point it was so violent. There were like people like getting necks broken, and they wanted it banned. And like you said, no, it's a, it. it's a manly sport, but let's reform it. And
3: so it stops actually killing people because like a yeah, dozen people until dying. we find out about concussions. Well, you know,
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's being killed on the on the field versus slowly dying later.
0: Segment three, Teddy Roosevelt, women's suffragist.
3: Because Can we spare a, a, a moment here to talk about Roosevelt and uh, gender relations for a second? Because you know, I, I feel like I'm a little out of my depth here because I don't feel like there's a lot of scholarship on this, or at least not that I'm familiar with. And I don't know if he ever, I, I don't think he ever publicly supported women's suffrage. No, he did not. Well, you we can um, always
2: replace
3: scholarship with wild speculation. <laughs>
2: so,
3: yeah. I, I do think that you can kind of see in some of his personal relationships perhaps a a less traditional approach to um, to gender relationships. Like, I think like his first wife, I feel, feel was, was like the person he was societally supposed to marry, but his second wife was more kind of like, I want somebody that I can like have an actual relationship with because they had been like childhood friends since forever um and we're kind of like they they had just like you know ran around in the you know gutter together um <laughs> looking for frogs and stuff when they were kids and then eventually they get married which i think is kind of a cute story and i also think that the bear you know, was the best man <laughs> that you know his, his daughter clearly was someone who was very much about self-actualizing herself and he, you know, clearly was at least not particularly interested in dissuading her from doing that. You know, um, that he was more kind of like, like, you be you, Alice. You're kind of a, a, a wild thing, but whatever, you know, go for it. But I think um, we love you. Yeah.
0: Did you take little Alice with him to South Dakota?
1: No, Alice um, stays with his sister, Bert, Bammy, Bernie? Who's, li- who's Bam- little
0: Alice for the benefit of the listening audience?
1: Alice is... Um, Alice Roosevelt, aka Princess Alice, who is Roosevelt's oldest daughter.
3: By his first wife. Yeah, their only their only child because she died giving birth to her, if I recall. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the certified badass in her own
2: right.
1: Oh, she is she should have her own episodes. That's why she's called <laughs> Princess Alice.
2: The we
4: Roosevelt women is a character in some sketches. We could actually probably dedicate an episode to all the wayward Roosevelt who make their way through Please. This part of American history.
3: And again, that, that maybe kind of pulls us away from him as kind of this epitome of 19th century masculinity. And, and perhaps he's kind of being pushed and pulled into the 20th century, despite his own uh, better judgment. Um, the second
2: biography
4: I read of him kind of it portrayed his view of uh, gender relations. And I don't know if this is pure speculation or just based on his, Voluminous writings, which, like I say, could, you know, say two different things within three paragraphs, two contradictory things that the females did not belong in the male realm, but they had their own realm, the domestic
3: realm, which should stay separate, but equal. And that would have been a very, typically 19th century perspective. But I think that his actual, like, lived experience challenges that to some extent, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is is an interesting contradiction
1: i will say and again maybe this is roosevelt kind of maturing and developing as a older wiser version of himself but the bull moose party does include it's part of their party platform is maybe not women's suffrage but equality for women right so it's there and now i'm really interested because you know what james i don't actually have um an answer to the question of Theodore Roosevelt and his feelings about gender relations equal, but
3: now yeah, I feel like it's like, like and it's interesting because it comes up with Wilson because Wilson ends up being the guy, oh. like, this is the one good thing I'll say about him. He comes yeah. out and says we should have women's suffrage and, yeah. and, and they did. So, you know, wait, wave, wave the tiny flag for Wilson on that one. <laughs> um, this big. But, uh, you know, otherwise I, I feel like it just, when we talk about Roosevelt, we don't talk about it very much, which I, I think is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Although, thing, it, it was it
1: Alice a suffragette?
2: Yes. Uh, also a self described hedonist, as she said on sixty minutes at one point, because she was she lived until nineteen eighty. So she was a long the, life uh, she was, she was, there was, she was like friends the with Richard Sanger
0: Nixon branch of feminism that so where that was a big big deal. So yeah. You know.
2: She was personal friends with Richard Nixon up Ooh. until uh he quoted uh, Teddy Roosevelt's After the Watergate scandal, and it made her so mad that she threw something through her TV.
1: So this is, see, this is what historians do when we have questions. We go to the interwebs and we type in Theodore Roosevelt and gender roles, and then we find an article from 1996 from Presidential Studies Quarterly called Theodore Roosevelt and gender roles, and this historian, Doris Groshan Daniels, I I like her thesis. I want to hear your thoughts on this, James. His attitude, let's see. um, TR's involvement in politics drew him into the world of women's reform. His attitude towards these females and their roles in society was often inconsistent and contradictory in both rhetoric and performance as he endeavored to reconcile, oh, I like this, his Victorian worldview to the era of the quote new woman, to resolve the tensions between modern and more traditional systems of thinking and behavior. I mean, that's it right there.
3: Yeah, that's, can't (laughs) do better than Uh, that. I love, I love that thesis. I think that's perfect.
1: Good job, Doris Groshen Daniels.
0: Segment four, Teddy Roosevelt, lover of live animals.
1: Pause pause, really quick. Let's take a moment to also appreciate how many animals, alive, live animals, uh, were members of the White House family under the Roosevelt's. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, James, like multiple goats, um, a horse, way too many dogs.
3: The White House sounds like a wild time when Roosevelt was there, like, because diplomats would come over and then, like, his in son would in like, the in her shoes or be like, look at this chicken I just found. And they'd be like, what is happening? Also, and I and Alice I think we can understand on the roof. why. Roosevelt builds <laughs> the West Wing at this point, right? Because he's probably like, you know what? I-, I need a place where I can actually get some work done away from my family.
4: <laughs> from all, so- all of these animals, animals I've stocked in the house And their pets. Yeah.
1: Okay, so here is the list of animals that they had in the White House. Do we have time? We have time. We have time. A small bear named Jonathan Edwards.
4: And <laughs> the hands of an angry bear. Is that how we're, oh, I thought we were talking about Kerry's running mate. This sounds like the beginning <laughs> of a
0: Casey Kasem top, America Top 40 dedication. And Number one with a bullet, a small bear named Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> here's Barry Manilow, anyway. <laughs>
1: Um a small bear. This goes named out Jonathan to Boys Edwards. Town.
0: Okay, who else after Jonathan Edwards?
1: A lizard named Bill. Uh, guinea pigs named Admiral Dewey. Dr. Dr. Johnson. Bishop Duane. Fighting Bob Evans and Father O'Grady.
0: I
4: take offense. Isn't that a rap group? <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it's this is the funk group that actually tried to get the contract and had a lot of battles of the bands with Parliament Funkadelic.
1: You guys, we're only a third of the way through. Oh, Maud, God. Maud the pig.
2: And Josiah. Then
1: Josiah the badger. <laughs> uh, Eli Yale, the blue macaw.
3: Why do so many of them have last names? That's that's <laughs> hilarious name. that one is named Eli Yale when he's a Harvard man. Yes. <laughs> and that's yeah. definitely like, uh-huh. like, you try to make fun of him there. Inside joke. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, Baron Spreckle the hen. <laughs> Um, a one-legged rooster, unnamed, a hyena, unnamed, a barn owl, unnamed, Peter the rabbit, and Algonquin the pony. Also, among their many canines were Sailor Boy, the Chesapeake Retriever, Jack the terrier, Skip the mongrel, and Pete, a bull terrier. The end.
2: And That's also Emily Spinach, who was Alice's garter snake.
1: Oh, you're right. Emily. And farther Spinach. down.
2: Emily's yep. finished well, oh, yeah. well yeah that's like what uh Teddy, Teddy was once quoted as saying you know I can either be the president or I can tame my daughter Alice and I can't do both
1: he did not tame his daughter Alice that was a failure also you don't need to tame women screw you Teddy Roosevelt
2: <laughs> well I think it was more along the lines of getting her to stop going on the roof and like chatting at people in his defense, I don't
4: think he'd ever tamed an animal so much as just shot several of them. Yeah, and it's illegal to kill your daughter.
2: daughter. I, were, I
4: hope, yeah, I hope he wasn't planning. I mean, he they did. They already tamed. Boss. I
2: just shot it a little bit. I just want to thank everybody for doing an entire episode about Peter Roosevelt and never once mentioning, and I'm going to break this, the teddy bear.
1: But in the bear, isn't that who, that's the same bear. No, it's not. You're right.
4: I'm told that he did not like that nickname, Teddy, and didn't like it ascribed to that, but I think he just didn't like the idea of a bear that it was socially inappropriate to shoot.
1: (laughs) It was a baby. It was defenseless.
4: But he shot it anyway. He did. He went with the myth.
0: DB Comedy presents The Electables. This episode's sketches were written and produced by Gina Bucola, Sandy Baikowski, Joseph Fedorko, Ramona Jouet, Sylvia Mann, Paul Moulton, Patrick J. Riley, and Tommy Spears. This episode's sketches were performed by Gina Bucola, Sandy Bakowski, Joseph Fidarko, Sylvia Mann, Paul Moulton, Patrick J. Riley, Tommy Spears, and Louise Thomas. Original music written and performed by Throop McClurg. Audio production by Joseph Fidarco. Sound effects procured at freesound.org. Contributions to D.B. Comedy are graciously accepted by going to the D.B. Comedy donation page at fracturedatlas.org. Donations are tax-deductible to the fullest extent allowed by law. For more information on D.B. Comedy and the electables, visit D.B. Comedy's host page on simplecast.com. Follow us on Facebook at D.B. Comedy or Democracy Burlesque, and join us on The Trident Network. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Don't forget to
2: subscribe and don't forget to like.